Heavenly Father, we, um, we thank you for your gift of mercy that you give us. Mercy every day. It, it, it's a gift to just have breath in our lungs and to wake up. And there are some days where it does not feel like that, but, uh, but God, we know that it is a gift. We know that, that your son Jesus sustains us. And we thank you for that. God, as we open your word today, we just uh, we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us understand would speak to us about things that we need to know and things that we need to do. Oh God, that's our prayer this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody's phone is up here. It's pinged. It's pinged, so we're good. Okay, um, we are going to continue our series in the book of Acts. So uh, you guys can open up to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. And today we will be talking about porcupines, kind of. Uh, there was a, uh, there's a story that I heard in seminary. I'm not sure exactly where it comes from. I think it came from the book uh, Great Church Fights, but, uh, uh, but it was a story about porcupines. And there, there were two porcupines that, um, that were living in, in the north in the winter, and it got really cold, and they really needed each other for warmth. But every time they got close to each other, they would... They would poke each other, and, and so they, they kind of had to separate, but they always needed to kind of come back together, and, uh, and, and in some ways, that's a little bit of a picture of, of being a believer and being in community, uh, because just like these porcupines needed each other, they were uh, needling needers, you could say, you know, or, or perhaps, if you're thinking about people, they're prickly people, prickly people, um, that, that, that's believers. Living in community, sometimes you get pricked by people, don't you? Um, there's misunderstandings and disagreements that occur. There's, um, there's sometimes pain in the, in the way that words are used. Um, and, and, and sometimes sin is involved and it creates a conflict. And sometimes sin is not involved, but there's still conflict. Uh, that can be the life of a believer. And uh, we're going to talk about what to do during this time. How, how do we move forward as believers with this um, prickly people around us, our brothers and sisters? So that, that's what we're going to talk about today uh, in Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 36. Um, you'll recall that for the last two weeks we've been talking about Acts chapter 15 and it was about the, uh, the disagreements over doctrine and, and how important it was to get that doctrine right. And, and so all these leaders, they came to Jerusalem because they were trying to figure out essentially like what must someone do to be saved? There, there, were, there were disagreements about how the Old Testament law factored in and things like that, right? And, and the Jerusalem council reached an agreement, right? And they said, okay, here, here's what has to happen. And we pick it up right after that happens, and, and the, that message is being delivered, um, and, and you see Paul and Barnabas pastoring uh, as they deliver this message. And it, 
In verse 36, it says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas. Well, that after some days is like a, uh, it's a, I don't know how to say this. It's an indiscriminate amount of time in the Greek, but it was probably like, probably months. So it wasn't like the next day or three days later. It was probably some months. So they were pastoring together, delivering that message. Um, And it's really interesting how Luke arranges the material of the early church because we move from a disagreement over doctrine to a disagreement about ministry. And it's really interesting, and we can learn a lot from this. So, Acts chapter 36. There's not 36 chapters in Acts, just so you guys know. Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 36. Luke writes, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaimed the word of the Lord, and see how they are. And see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. We're going to see three things as we look at this. And there's so much that we could discuss, uh, but we're going to see three main things. We're going to see first that we can take heart when we experience disagreement and, and, and prickly people in ministry. We can take heart because uh, it's happened before. The second thing we're going to see is that God is working even amidst disagreement. And the third thing that we're going to see is that uh, we need to remain faithful as we see Paul and Barnabas remain faithful even amidst disagreement. So, uh, first, take heart. We are not alone. Show of hands, who has been hurt by a fellow believer? Almost everybody, right? Um, Not a show of hands. (laughs) You may have been hurt by somebody here in this room. You may have been hurt by a believer that's also a part of your family. Disagreements happen. And some scholars here have said that there was sin involved. But we have to be careful when we read the text to not apply something that the text doesn't explicitly state all the time. And, And a lot of people would say, we don't know. We don't know if there was sin involved in this disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. We just don't know. But what we do know is that there was a disagreement on if John Mark should come along. And you'll recall John Mark is the co- cousin of Barnabas, author of the, of the Gospel of Mark, right? So, so there was a disagreement, and it, and it caused uh, this consternation, this, dis, uh, this uh, difficulty between Paul and Barnabas. And here's the interesting thing. Even when sin isn't present, we can still disagree with fellow believers about things, right? We can disagree about how to to do a certain ministry. We can disagree about what the ministry should look like. We can disagree about about who should be involved in certain aspects of ministry. And, And that doesn't mean that it's necessarily sinful, but it can still hurt. It can still be painful nonetheless. Um... 
If we look at it, uh, this word here for, uh, in uh, verse 39, for sharp disagreement, it, it's the word uh, uh, paroxymos. It's where we get our English word like uh, paroxys. It's, it's, um, it's used as like an uh, irritation or anger, um, uh, and that's the negative aspect of it, uh, sometimes exasperation in conflict. Uh, but there's also a positive aspect of this Greek word and how it was used. Uh, it was, it's used uh, by New Testament writers for when uh, Paul begins to um, uh, kind of burn at, at seeing the idolatry um, that, that's occurring. That, that can be a positive aspect of it also. Uh, it's also used elsewhere to talk about the, the wrath of God in the Old Testament. So it's like, it's a serious word, right? Um, another, another place that it's used is it, it can talk about uh, kind of urging or spurring each other on toward love. So the idea with the word is not necessarily that it, it's bad, okay? The sharp disagreement is not necessarily bad, but it does show like the passion involved. The, that sharp disagreement has, uh, has passion, which has an impact. Because even when you're passionate about something and you're discussing it with someone that disagrees with you, you can actually hurt them, can't you? There could be a misunderstanding of what's going on. Um, after all, this is Barnabas' cousin, so I'm sure Barnabas was you know, not happy with Paul's decision. Uh, Mark may have even been hurt. You know, he's uh, fairly young. Uh, beginning in ministry, and and he's being told, no, you like you can't come with us. So so pain does happen, and particularly when we open ourselves up to people, it invites pain all the more. And and a community of believers should be vulnerable with each other. We should be able to um, express what's going on in our lives. We should be able to talk about. Uh, difficulties in our lives. And as you become more vulnerable with someone, the, uh, the potential for pain kind of goes up. But we should take heart because we're not alone. We're not the only ones that have experienced uh, pain with people. We're not the only ones that have experienced disagreements and, and uh, had to figure out what to do about it. It's all the way back in the very beginning of the church, you see it with believers. It's just part of the process. So we need to take heart, for we're not alone. Another thing that I want us to see is that God is working. God is working even in the midst of this disagreement. Take a look at what happens. There, there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. You know, at first glance, you're like, oh man, that's, that's terrible that that had to happen. And then it says, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul, Paul, I'm going to be able to talk this morning, I promise. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. God is working. God is working. The ministry didn't stop. It multiplied. Two groups went out now and begin to minister and pastor and, and continue the mission of telling people 
about the good work of Jesus Christ. God can use disagreements among believers for his plan. Amen? It's pretty amazing. The other thing here is really interesting. Um, Silas was maybe the perfect choice for Paul to take. Why, why do I say that? Well, uh, Silas was um, probably very skilled with Greek. Uh, he, he wrote uh, for Peter a lot. Uh, we see that in 1 Peter. And um, so his, his skill with the language would be extremely useful to a more Gentile audience, primarily speaking Greek. Uh, what else? Let's see here. Um, he's uh, well-respected. He's uh, called a prophet. Um, you see that he's well-respected because he's, uh, they're committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. So um, you see a lot of amazing things with Silas that's unique toward a Roman audience. He was a citizen of Rome. Like that, those things are important, you know, like for Paul's uh, missionary journeys that are coming up. It's kind of interesting. Um, you also see an amazing uh, thing happen with John Mark. Barnabas takes Mark with him. And Mark, of course, writes the Gospel of Mark. But remember, he, he's young, he's, he's, he's good. I mean, not like, you know, 12, but, you know, he's, he's, he's not as um, experienced in, in, with ministry as like Barnabas and, and Paul are, but... Uh, you see that he's, he's brought along. And remember, what does Barnabas mean? Encourager, son of encouragement, right? Could you think of anyone better to bring along somebody young in the ministry that, that just had like this moment where he was told by somebody that he probably respected, no, you can't come with us? So he's, he's paired with this encourager that can help nurture and, and, and guide him. It's a pretty amazing thing when you think about how it all worked out. But, but in the moment, I'm sure that's not what Paul and, and Barnabas were thinking. You know, they probably uh, in the moment didn't think, well, this is good that we're splitting up. You know, there, there's probably some, dare I say, prickliness being felt. Um, so it's pretty amazing how God works. And when we think about the workings of God uh, in our lives, in, in the lives of people, um, it's always easier to like look back, isn't it? And you can really see the hand of God moving and, and seeing things uh, occur. But in the moment, it doesn't always feel that way. And there's certainly, when you're thinking about future things, there, there's, there's a little bit of um, wrestling that occurs. We say that we trust in God for things, but it doesn't always, it doesn't always feel like that. It doesn't always look like that. There's, there's always uh, some amount of unknown that can uh, drive a, a concern in you. And that's why we have to have faith. That's why faith is so important. Um, when I was thinking about the workings of God in my life and, and in the lives of believers, and through this example here, I thought about um, people with PhDs. Let me explain. When I got to seminary, all right. Um, within the first month or so, I became pretty fast friends with some people that were uh, a couple of years ahead of me. 
And they invited me over to a barbecue, and I'm there, and we're all hanging out, and they start talking about God, because that's what, that's what we do. <laughs> Seminary students, we always end up talking about God. But uh, when we start talking about God, and I'm telling you, I'm like, uh, wait, what, did, what did you say? Can you explain that word? What do you mean by that? You know, like, I could, I could not understand what they were talking about. And, um, and then I went to classes, <laughs> and I was like, the professors were speaking, and they were very good at explaining things, but mind you, I'm somebody that need, needs a, a minute or two to kind of catch up and kind of find out what's going on, you know? And, uh, and I'd be sitting in class, and I'm like, wait, 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 what? Uh, can you pronounce that word again? That's an English word? Let me write that down, you know? I, I'd be going to professors' offices, and they would have to... Uh, they would have to explain things to me. But like, I, I feel like the workings of God are a little bit like that. Remember, his ways are so much higher than our own, right? Uh, for all of the uh, uh, intellect that we are gifted with, God's pretty smart. God's really smart. And I feel like if he was to try to explain everything to us in the, in the fullness of his understanding... It'd be even worse than me sitting in a seminary class trying to understand what the professors are saying. It's hard to understand what God is doing sometimes. And that's why we got to trust him. Because God is working even in disagreements. Another aspect of God's working that I thought about is perspective. When we look at a parade, we see it kind of go by us. We see it... Um, not one-dimensionally, I guess we see it three-dimensionally, but we see it unfold uh, over time. We see the beginning, we see the middle, we see the end. We experience the parade as it occurs. But when God looks at a parade, I don't know, he's looking down upon it, but also looking at it from all angles. He sees it beginning, middle, and end all at the same time. Just imagine what that means then for our lives. I, I, reading this passage, I was like, man, I, I take great heart that, um, that God would use broken instruments, that God would use people who make mistakes, even, even, when, they're, even when they're doing the right things from their understanding, they, they still would disagree with one another. I could take such heart in that. And, God, you are calling me into a deeper faith to trust you. Because you know what's going on with Paul and Barnabas, even though they probably didn't. You know what's going on in my life with the decisions that I will make, with the decisions that I should make, even though I don't understand it at the time. People are brought here to Del Rio for a specific reason, and a lot of times we're like, hey, it's, uh, it's uh, the border, it's jobs, it's uh, pilot training, it's all this, and the whole time God's like looking at the whole picture, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's part of it, you know, that's probably not all of it, you know? It's amazing. God is amazing, and um, even something as simple as these small verses can show us that. There is a uniqueness in how it works out. And we see 
that we should take heart because we're not alone. And we see that God is working even in the midst of disagreement. Even in the midst of disagreement. And the other thing that we see is we see faithfulness amidst disagreement. We see faithfulness amidst disagreement. Look at it. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. I I, I don't want to see any hands, and maybe none of you have experienced it, but I guarantee sometime in your life you will feel a pull to leave a church, to leave a ministry, to leave your faith. And almost always, the pull is a result of some kind of conflict or some kind of disagreement. Maybe you disagree with... uh, the direction a church is heading, or something that the pastor said. Maybe you'll disagree with something I say today, and if you do, please come to our group on Tuesday nights where we can discuss it, and hopefully I can explain it away. But uh, you might disagree. You might feel called to a particular ministry, and you try to join that ministry, and somebody says no. You're not, no, you're not ready for this. And maybe they say it in a way that is brash and prickly. Disagreements are going to happen. But take, take a note from Paul and Barnabas here. Faithfulness is what happens in the midst of disagreement here. It would be so easy for Barnabas to, to say, you know what, fine. You go ahead and do it. I'm done. It would be easy for, for Mark to say, he doesn't think I'm good enough? Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't have, you know, I, I, I did leave uh, them, so maybe I don't have the character to continue. I just need to take a back seat. But that's not what happens. And this can be a warning to us to be faithful even in the midst of disagreement. What does that look like? What does faithfulness look like in the midst of disagreement? It might look like not leaving that church. Now, I'm not going to get into the specifics of of when you should and when you shouldn't leave a church, but I think in general, people leave churches too early. They don't don't sit and, and, and speak with the people that they're potentially having a problem with. Now remember, this section, we're not talking about doctrinal disagreements. We're just talking about disagreements, right? Music's too loud. We need to do more hymns. We need to do less hymns. Pastor um, has a pulpit in front of him. I don't like it. I grew up with the pastor that sits on a stool and you know, looks all cool. I, I don't know. It could, be a, it could be a lot of things. It could also be some real things that, that actually drive pain into some people like, um, I want to start this ministry and I was told no. Or I want to join in over here and, um, and they let me, but they're not actually using me in a way that I think I should be used. There's, do you see what I'm saying? Like, there, there is room for a lot of disagreements in how ministries 
should work out. And, and we should see good discussion about this. We should see reconciliation about these things. But even if that doesn't happen, faithfulness, faithfulness to God has to happen. It has to remain. You cannot depart from your faithfulness to God because a person who makes mistakes cause some pain. So, how do we remain faithful amidst disagreement? How do we remain faithful amidst disagreement? Well, I'm going to submit to you three primary principles to be able to remain faithful amidst disagreement. First, mission. Stay on mission. What is the mission of God? What is the mission of God? So you can save the lost, to, to make disciples? If you have an eternal perspective and, and you actually think about this world as a, a, a battlefield between good and evil and people's souls are on the line, you should think twice about saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to help out anymore. I'm done. I've not going to read this word. The guy that was preaching on this, he said some things that I disagreed with. He said some things that made me mad. Stay on mission. Think about the mission of God. Keep that in the center of your mind. Stay on mission. Next, uh, know yourself. Know yourself. How you are built and formed by God. The reason why I say this is um, I, th I think that um, we see here an example of, of people being formed in a particular way and God uses that even in the midst of disagreement to produce these two different, uh, two different lines of ministry. Okay, What do I mean? Well, um, Paul if we look at everything that we know about him in the New Testament, man, you could, you could beat him. You could imprison him. You could um, starve him. Was he going to stop? He was not going to stop. He was going to stay on mission and evangelize the Gentiles. That type of personality is a pretty strong personality, right? Look at Barnabas for a second. What's Barnabas' strengths? Encouragement. Helper. Peacekeeper. Isn't it natural for Barnabas to want to bring along uh, Mark, uh, who, who was his cousin, but uh, someone that he sees something in? but maybe, maybe had a failure early on by leaving them? We, by the way, we don't know why he left, right? But a lot of people suggest that that failure is interpreted as it, or that, that leaving is a failure interpreted by, by Paul, right? Because Paul specifically says, no, we can't take him. He, he deserted us, right? So we don't know the specifics by that, but, 
but can't you see somebody who's called encourager, son of encouragement, as someone that's inclined to want to help those who are weak? Build them back up? Encourage them, right? And can't you see Paul, who's so driven and ministry-focused that nothing will stop him, and he can see Mark as, as maybe a little bit of an obstacle? you got to know yourself to be able to remain faithful, even amidst disagreement. And, and I don't know this from the text. I don't... I don't um, I'm kind of inferring a little bit, but we know that, that there was reconciliation between Paul and Barnabas. We see that in the New Testament and other places. We know that there's reconciliation between uh, Paul and uh, Mark. We see that. Paul, Paul values Mark. Even at the end of his life, he call, he's, he's asking for Mark to come because, because he values him. And, and I think it's entirely possible that, um, that God showed Paul and Barnabas a little bit of who they were and how they were built specifically for these ministries and, and, and grew them into a place where they could see that reconciliation had to happen and, and all that. Can you guys picture that? How, how having a knowledge of yourself is important. Your inclinations, the way that you behave, how you might interpret something. That's important to being able to understand what's going on in disagreement, uh, to, to be able to remain faithful to God. Um, it's really important. The other thing, uh, the third thing, third principle, humility. You have to remain humble. Um, why do I say that? Well, if two people, two believers, disagree about something, it's likely that they each think their opinion is correct, right? That is, that's basics, okay? Now, what happens if one or both of them do not remain humble in this disagreement? They become entrenched in their opinion. Uh, maybe uh, they break ties with the you know, with their brother or sister over the opinion. Um, pride can creep in. You begin to think you're always right. This, it's this person who doesn't get it. It's their fault, right? You see how that can kind of play out? So maybe in the original disagreement there was no sin, but if you're not remaining humble, sin can certainly begin to creep in in that disagreement and drive wedges and relationships and create problems. Um, but if you remain humble and you understand that God is using broken instruments to play out and, and um, cause the mission of God to, to come to fruition, uh, well then maybe you can say, you know, I, I do make mistakes. Is it possible that Maybe I misinterpreted what this person was saying. Is it possible that I actually might be a little wrong in my understanding of what's going on here? Um, uh, a brother that, uh, that goes, to our, goes to our group on Tuesday nights, we've been texting a lot um, and, and communicating a lot 
over the last couple of weeks. And uh, all about, uh, you know, biblical things, what's going on in the text, what does it mean, uh, really great things. And if we, if we became entrenched in our understanding of what we were saying, it would be really easy for us to just pick a side and say, uh, you're wrong, I'm right. But an amazing thing happened. We, we continued to talk about it. We continued to say, okay, well, what do you mean when you say that word, right? Uh, there, there becomes a, a, a way for us to communicate. And like uh, this week, uh, we were both like, oh, yeah, we're totally on the same page. We're just looking at it from a little bit different perspective. Well, we're using words a, a little bit differently, but we're like right on the same page. That's an amazing thing. Even amidst disagreement, you know, like you can come together. Um, and if we were um, prideful, which I, I do become prideful, I'm not trying to say I'm humble all the time and, and all that, you know, but like in this particular situation, uh, we were able to, to come to a place that was healthy and good. And I, be, I believe our relationship grew from that. So three principles, to be able to remain faithful even amidst disagreement. Mission, stay on mission. Know yourself, how you're built and formed by God. Have an understanding of that and how that might, uh, how that might play out in your life and the lives of others and how people be, you know, perceive you and all of that. Um, and then humility. Remain humble. Remain humble. Remain humble with your understanding of what's going on. Remain humble in your understanding of your opinion. And remember, we are talking about disagreements over ministry, the, the concept of ministry, personality, you know, disagreements. I'm not talking about doctrinal disagreements. That's different. We talked about that two weeks ago, right? But if we stay on mission, we think about um, how God has built us and formed us, and we remain humble, that will help us to remain faithful, even in the midst of disagreement. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, what a joy and a privilege it is to gather together, to worship you. God, we know that um, we know that we're broken. And we know that you are conforming us into the image of your son. And we know that it's a process. And we, we just ask that as you use us, we would recognize that brokenness. And that, and that even in the midst of the pain, we would, we would be able to um, take some encouragement. That We would take heart that, that disagreements have happened before and, and your mission didn't fail. It expanded. God, will you help us to see that? Will you help us to, to be drawn into a deeper trust of you as we see that you are working even... Uh, during um, difficult times in people's lives, even when it doesn't make sense. Will you help us to see that you are working? Help us to trust you more. God, will you, will you help us to remain faithful? Will you help us to, to not leave? To not leave you? To not leave the, your service? God, will you help us do this? It's in Jesus' name, pray. Amen.